Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. You are in control of what happens to you and how you handle everything is, it's ultimately up to you. And you know, some days are always gonna be harder than others, but um, that quote has just always resonated with me. So take that into the universe. podcast designed to help you change your mindset and your life. It is time for something new. Join host Dr. Shante Cofield, also known as the Movement Maestro, on a journey to see the bigger picture. Open your eyes. Find your passion and discover how movement unites us all. Let's get it popping. This is Maestro on the Mic. I'm the Maestro and you're about to get maestro Three, two, one. Hello, 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 friends, and welcome back to another episode of Maestro on the Mic. Today, I have with me a guest that I'm super stoked about. I met her a few years ago, and she was honestly, quite frankly, a bit of a a savior. Uh, I met her when I was working for Rock Tape, uh, and she actually works for Pezzi. She's a business development manager there, and she came in as a a breath of fresh air and someone with a very familiar background. Uh, She's a former Division I volleyball player, which you all already know I'm super fucking stoked about because now that's like my life. Uh, She's run marathons. She's done warrior dashes, and it was just awesome to to meet someone, to have someone, to work some work for someone who is able to blend the two worlds together of business and athletics and help us push rock tape forward. So I brought her on to talk about her story, to talk about a dope event that she is putting on that I need to be a part of. And so you can just hear from someone else a little bit different than the traditional guests that I bring on. So without further ado, welcome to the show, my good friend and volleyball superstar celesti roofs welcome <laughs> well thank you shante i think we should take a few steps back here i think it is a noteworthy here that um i am out of volleyball shape so <laughs> you can label me a has-been thank you COVID. <laughs> listen you will always have your height and you have the experience so you're like light years ahead of me and what I'll ever be. And I just, I'll never have that height. So I'm well, keeping you can't you in that coach height. You know what yeah, they say. <laughs> exactly. I'm like over here just being short. And I'm like, well, Celeste's got it. So dude, thank you for taking the time. I'm pumped about this episode. Uh, I'm going to, you know, I could talk all day. I am going to just literally flip it right over to you. And how about you start off with, I know this is a broad question, but whatever you'd like to tell the people about you, like what you're currently doing, who you are. All right. Well, I, I, I might use the same intro I did when Love I met it. you guys at Rock Tape. Um, so I am not a clinician, but I am like right next door to you guys. So Shante told you some pieces of my puzzle. I was an athlete in college, so I've done hashtag all the athletic things. Um, right now I am about 20 pounds lighter than I was in college because I have lost all of my muscles. Um, my summary of weightlifting was heavy back squats. So I was basically a quadzilla about 10 years ago. (laughs) Uh, since then I have a, a master's in exercise physiology. I have always just loved learning. How does the body work? 
and everything about it is just absolutely amazing. And I think that in this field, we all agree that there's just kind of this innate ab ability for the body to heal itself when you give it that opportunity. And so um, along the way, I have worked in um, kind of various fields that, that all equate to rehab in some way or another. So I, I worked at a health insurance company for a little bit. So I, I understand the denial process and how frustrating that can be. Um, also, obviously needing your services to be billable. Nobody wants yeah. to work for free. Yeah. Um, I used to run a CrossFit gym. So I have um, a lot of experience of working with people and trying to, um, you know, critique your own verbal cues. When I say how to do something and then I watch the person do it, it is often not at all what I meant. And I know that the, the same can be said of rehab. And so when you are working with your patients, uh, getting them to perform any type of uh, coordinated movement can sometimes be a challenge, especially based on their previous experience. Um, I've worked in a weight loss center, so I understand just pieces of nutrition and how, um, how hard of a space that can be for some people, especially in the U.S., where um, I, I think we'd all agree that nutrition is not where it should be for yeah. most of us. Um, and so now I work at PESI where a lot of those pieces have come all together. So what we do is create educational content for health professionals where they can um, you know, attend the trainings and then earn the credits to keep up whatever their license is. And most of the, the speakers and programs that I do are geared towards PTs, OTs, chiros, athletic trainers, and uh, these type of people. I love it. I got two questions, but I'm trying to think which one I want to ask first. Uh... I'm going to ask the first one's top in my head there. What was, did you have a set like idea when you graduated? Were you like, I want to do this? Like, I love that you've had such a varied, you know, career uh, experience. Like, was there a specific goal of things or you were just like, I want to see what I could make match and use my skill set? What, what, what happened? Uh, I would say, honestly, my decision to go for exercise physiology was financially based. So mm. um, I had it narrowed down between either that or PT school. And when I finished undergrad, I took a year off and I worked a ton. I actually worked in a bar where you make a lot of money and learn how to deal with people. And so I, I worked for a year and then started grad school. Um, and then also knowing that the masters I chose would be a cheaper than a DPT and faster. Mm -hmm. um, that was why I went that route. But the hard part is once you're done, you kind of sit there with your piece of paper that you just paid a whole lot of money for. And you're like, well, now what do I do with this thing? <laughs> so yeah. that's the, the biggest difference, I think, is, you know, you pay more for PT school. But when you're when you're done, you know what you do with it. <laughs> and I yeah. did not have a, a set objective. I I knew I didn't want to be a desk job. I knew I liked working with people. Um, I never would have thought I would have worked in health insurance or even in education. But um, the field has brought me to places I wouldn't have imagined. And I'm, I'm very, very happy where I am now. So I'm glad it did. Ah, that, that's awesome. So speaking of where it's brought you to where you are now, can you, can you speak? I know you did like a great job summarizing Pezzi. And I was like, oh, she's done this before. Uh, can you talk a bit more about what your role looks like there uh, and a little bit more about the company? Yeah, so um, PESI as a whole, we, like I said, we are a continuing education provider. And 
um, before COVID, most of what we did was hotel based. And so, you know, we would send a speaker to Atlanta, have them present there. And, you know, the customers would buy a ticket to go to whatever space we have reserved to, you know, then watch the training. And so I'm involved in either finding speakers. So maybe there's a certain topic that I know PESI needs in its library. So I will use the internet to find people who have the credentials that I need and the experience that I need to put together a seminar like that. And so I, I work with the clinicians to develop their content and then get it out to the world. And so um, it takes a few months of development. Um, obviously, there's a lot of back and forth between me and the, I call them speakers, you'd call them clinicians, but back and forth in the beginning, we really have to make sure that we get that offer right. So what is it that you'll be teaching? Why is it important? Um, what are people going to do differently after they leave their training so that um, you know this will be worth it for you clinically when you go back to treat your patients? And so I find people to develop content with, and then Pessy sends it out into the world, and we see what happens. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so let's see. Do you have anything to do with that? Um, what is it even called? Getting CEUs, because everything is everything through Pessy. Oh, I mean, that's a question. Does everything through Pessy offer CEUs? Pretty much. We are very, very heavily CEU based. There are a handful of things that we do as freebies that are usually shorter that might not have CEUs on them. Um, but the, I don't even know how to measure 98% probably of what we do is CEU based. And so thankfully for me, I have an entire department of people downstream from me that handle all of those applications for us. And so when I have the documents finalized that I need for my speaker, um, we determine who is the target audience for this thing, who's a fit, who's not a fit. And then from there, the, the PESI CE team takes that and runs with it. And they actually do all of the applications to whichever boards I need for that program. Damn. Yeah, and yes, a it is a significant load of work. <laughs> it is. Like people, you know, before when I was running my own courses and they'd be like, are you, they, Credited, certified for CEUs, and I was like, absolutely not, because it's just me, and that's a really big, big undertaking. Folks, yes. if folks listening to this are like, oh, this is a new thing, there's courses that I could be taking and I could be looking into. Where can they find the where? What's the website? Where can they check this out? So the PESI is the main is obviously the name of you know the company as a whole, but if you go to PESIrehab.com, it's kind of a tab within our main website that is focused towards the content that is geared towards um, more this side of the industry. We have um, a significant chunk of business that is behavioral and mental health focused, and so um, you'll find everything in our website kind of broken out by who the program was built for. So definitely check out the rehab tab if you are listening to this podcast. Amazing. I will, of course, have my awesome editor, Courtney, drop that, um, drop that into, into the show notes. So I want to keep moving forward with your role with Pezzi. Um, I'm trying to think, which one do I want to go down? Because one of the reasons I'm so excited about this podcast, this, excuse me, this particular episode is because, precisely because you do you're not necessarily the traditional listener and real talk. I'm not even hundred percent sure who listens to this podcast. I think most people <laughs> following me are some clinician of some sort, but I love what you bring to the table and that you've utilized and you found ways to be able to utilize. I should say you found ways to be able to utilize your skill set in, in other ways and other career paths and not just, you know, we see it with physical therapists where it's like, maybe they don't actually want to be doing 
you know, yeah. clinical work and they have all these other, these other skill sets. Could you speak a little bit about how just you've been able to blend different skill sets, even just your back, you know, your background with sports and, and take that in and, and blend that into what you do today? I think the piece of my sports background that I would say is a, a good trait to have, but I would say it's the piece of me I have to keep the most in check. I am stupidly competitive, and I, I know I am not the only person who's yeah. going to listen to this podcast that would define themselves that way, but <laughs> there are just so many things where the, obviously that helps to drive me and to keep me as a, hopefully what my coworkers would say as a high performer, but at the same time, I can't do everything. <laughs> so it's just finding that right balance of feeling feeling confident in what I am putting out there and knowing that I am doing my best for the company I'm working for. Um, but that competitive side of me has definitely been huge in all of the different things that I've done. Um, but I would say, I think one of the things that's helped me like shift around, I guess you could say, just asking questions. So when I worked in health insurance, like, I knew nothing about health insurance when I started. But the longer I was there, the more questions I had, the more questions I asked, the more I, I learned. And it, the, the model is most definitely not perfect, but I, I learned that in a lot of situations, it's not the health insurance company that's always the problem, you know? Mm. And, and are there instances where they're doing it wrong? Absolutely. But there's a lot of stuff that I could get behind and say, oh, I understand why we, why we do it this way. Mm -hmm. And so um, the kind of thirst for knowledge, um, just always asking questions and, um, within whatever my position is seeing what is it that makes me excited to work on it and how can I do more of that? And that. the, the piece where I have kind of spun that at PESI, like I said, the, the main part of my role is business development. I'm supposed to find speakers to bring them in, develop new content so that, you know, our, our library for our customers always has a lot of good options um, as far as trainings go. But, um, PESI is a, like a medium-sized company. We have about 150-ish people altogether. And um, because of that, you know, I, I do have a lot of help downstream, but not always all the bells and whistles. And reporting is one of those that when I started, I just didn't quite have access to seeing the numbers the way I wanted to see them. And I am a very, very much numbers brain. And so um, I, when I'm pregnant, I am a high risk pregnancy and with my son, I wasn't allowed to work out, which as you can guess was hard for me. Yeah. <laughs> so in, instead of doing my workouts, I took an online class in data modeling. And so I, um, have my, my nerd glass emoji on right now, but data modeling is my new jam. I freaking love it. Really? I can, I am a oh. wizard with spreadsheets and can turn 10,000 rows of gibberish into magic that makes it easier for other people to see what's going on. So uh, within my job at PESI, I am now one of the people who's involved in the data modeling project, even though that was not at all a part of the job description that I signed up for. And so um, I'm still very, very passionate about, you know, going after and developing new business, but um, I get really excited when I get to work on uh, numbers and business analytics and things like that. And so um it just not being afraid to ask is wow. a big part. What are yeah. these other projects that you see, that you hear about, that you want to be a part of? You, you're not going to get anything you don't ask for. So, I yeah. I love that. I've if actually... it intrigues you, try it. See what happens. <laughs> it's so good. Like the data modeling force component that you're 
first of all, I'm like, what? But the fact that the, <laughs> the project that, and, and what you're doing now, Pezzi, with that, did you ask for that? Did you, were you like, hey, I have this skill set? Like, how did that, how I, are you involved with that now? So I first learned it for myself. And the example mm-hmm. I can use is rock tape. So um, with the rock tape programs, um, when hotels were a thing, we used to send those all over the US. And so although the titles are all different, I, I didn't want my people in Chicago getting hit with, you know, four months in a row of different rock tape programs. I wanted to spread them out. And so that was one thing that it sounds simple, but in the reporting that I had access to, it was very hard to see that. And so um, I, I learned how to do data modeling just for my own personal benefits so that I could better understand what I was actually in charge of. And then as I got better at the data modeling, I basically learned very quickly that well, instead of just exporting my book of business, if I export the whole departments, then everybody can use this. And it takes me no additional time to have these resources where now my entire department can use them instead of them having to manually track everything like they were previously. And so um, started out, I built it just for myself. And then people would see what I had done and, you know, kind of but, hey, well, how do I do that? And so mm. I basically just learned how to work with really large data exports to um, build rules where as soon as I plop in more data, Power BI basically takes it and then re-implements whatever rules I've built so that I don't have to you know, do those steps again. So it, it really just streamlines our, our reporting and gives um, all of our employees access to the um, answers to the questions they have just a little bit faster. You know, our, our systems are sometimes a little bit of a challenge where you might need to go three or four different places to see, you know, the answers to your questions. And I just have the ability, um, in a lot of situations now to pull that into one place so that it's, it's faster for you to get what you need. Dude, so much to be taken from that. You know, number one, obviously this, this concept of ask, but you know, you know, and, and Celestia and I had some conversations before about, you know, other things to be reading. Um, and we'll circle back to, cause she kind of dropped in there about high risk pregnancy and just was like, and so I just discovered a whole new trait, a uh, sk- skill set and conquered that. Uh, but we'll come, we'll come back to that. But we talked about like, you know, other resources and, and business, you know, thought leaders and such. Um, and one of the people that I really like is Seth Godin and, one of the things that Celestia is saying here is so valuable uh, and in, I'm going to use the word again, value, bringing more value, providing more value and seeing like, okay, I want to do something different. Uh, what do I like doing? How can I do more of it? What am I good at? What else can I, what other skill set can I acquire? Can I learn to up level what I'm currently doing and then ask? So for anyone that's listening to this, that's maybe in a more traditional clinical role, there's nothing wrong with being a staff clinician. I, I, we, I've said it a million times, uh, and I try to bring on different, different people because of this, but yes, we are in this, you know, cash-based entrepreneurial renaissance revolution. But if you want to work in a clinic, if you want to work for someone else, amazing, be the absolute best. And I think Celestia is showing a, an amazing model here where it's like, all right, what do I want to be doing? What am I really good at? What other skill set can I have? How can I make my job more fun, better, easier, you know, uh, more productive, and bring something to the to the business of the company, and then be able to pitch that and be like, "Hey, I have this skill set. I can do this thing. It makes everyone's life better." And I'm going to say, as the recipient of uh, Celeste's incredible organization, it is was very helpful. It's tough with rock tape, and you're trying to go to different places and making sure the same things aren't going in the different into the same places because then people don't want to take the class because they've already been saturated. So, 
thank you for that, Celeste, and all your <laughs> spreadsheets and post-its. Uh, but yes. a really, really valuable you know, lesson there in bringing more value uh, to the table and, and using that as a way to be able to do more of what you like in your, your current situation. I, I freaking, I freaking love that. Can we circle back for a second before we go into the pregnancy thing? Can we circle back to the competitive side of you, <laughs> uh, which I love. That was one of the things that, you know, you, you spoke about that when you came to the, to the instructor summit and I was like, Oh hell yeah, because this is what I'm about. Uh, I see that competitive spirit come out and you have decided to create the first of its kind, a, a new summit uh, through PESI. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah. So um, my, my biggest upcoming endeavor is what we have called the women's health summit. And so um, it's, it's a concept that I had in my mind for a while. I just hadn't had the opportunity to actually get everything together for what I had envisioned. And so probably back in January, I started reaching out to a lot of my speakers who I knew had content related to just working with female patients. And so um, from there, the concept was kind of born where I just said, I don't know exactly what I need from you. You're going to tell me what I need. I know that you're the person I want, but you work clinically, tell me what it is you see that's kind of that gap in your area that needs to be addressed that most clinicians are missing right now. And so when you fast forward to now, what I've ended up with is a really big event that's coming up where I have 13 different female clinicians who are all going to be presenting based on their area of specialty, um, providing tools that all attendees will be able to use the very next day in clinic, because I, I understand the importance of yes. you don't want to go to a training that's not going to teach you anything you can use. And so we've got um, PTs, OTs, a chiro, um, a cardiac nurse, a psychologist, a dietitian. Um, the list of speakers and their backgrounds is so impressive that um, this event, it has 20 sessions all together. And so people will kind of get to, it's like a choose your own adventure. Mm -hmm. um, you also get access to the recordings for, for a little bit afterwards, if you happen to miss them live or, you know, whatever your situation may be. But uh, with 13 speakers that basically all of their bios are amazing. And from there, like I said, the 20 sessions that talk about everything from um, pregnancy to menopause, uh, Alzheimer's, breast cancer, hormones. Uh, it, it, there's just so much that makes the female body unique that um, each of these speakers is going to kind of bring to the table um, what their clinical practice has really shown a light on as far as being important and different when you're working with the female population specifically. Dude, more questions. I'm trying to think. Logistics first, and then I'll ask the second part of this. When is this thing? So the event will kick off on May 20th. It's a two-day event. So um, we've got keynote speakers. As you know, Shante, you are kicking off day one for us. Oh, and then yeah. <laughs> Cindy Lockhart is a registered dietitian who will be kicking off day two for us. So uh, it's a full two-day event where um, after the keynote sessions that start each morning, you then have three tracks to choose from as far as which sessions you'd like to attend. Dude. Yes, folks, I will be speaking. That is a large part of the reason that I brought Celeste on. I told you in the little intro portion there. Um, but I'm absolutely pumped about th this, this event. Anytime I get the opportunity to be part of something new and something that I truly believe in, I'm like, oh, yes, 
sign me up, sign me up twice. Uh, and when Celeste reached out, I was like, yeah, this is a no brainer. Um, I'm not going to lie. I needed a lot of help with some of the logistical stuff. And I'm, we'll talk about that just because Celeste has a, a, a tremendous skill in, in, in one, you know, allowing people to be seen as they want to be seen, but uh, in allowing people to work in the capacity that's best for them. I am not great with like, write this outline for this speech. I'm like, I, I will just talk about it and it's going to be great. And Celeste was like, but I needed this because we're doing CEUs. Uh, and she actually allowed me to hop on a call with her and just have a conversation. And she was like, I will do this. I'll put this thing together. And that's a huge skill set. And I, I value that so much um, as a leader. So I am incredibly, incredibly stoked to be a part of this. Uh, and I would love for all of you to be a part of this, to to you know, join, sign up, attend in whatever capacity you can. We will drop the the registration link in the um, in the show notes. So if you're driving or anything like that, please don't crash your car or anything. Pause it. You can uh, head to that link. Uh, and we have some discounts going out in there. There are some early bird stuff. Uh, this episode, ideally, you're listening to it the day that it dropped, which is May third. Uh, so you have. A little bit of time before the actual uh, event, um, but everything will be in the show notes. I'm going to pass it back to Celeste. And can you tell me why? Why did you want this thing? I I just felt like so. I've been with Pessy since uh, shoot, I can't remember my years now. September of eighteen. Is that? Sure. Right? Time is I all think, the same. I think now. it's right. <laughs> so <laughs> yes. September of 18. <laughs> and so um, most of the programs that I had either seen us do or I had put together is a lot of the, the typical stuff. How do you work with a shoulder? How do you work with a knee? How do you work with the SI joint? You know, all that stuff is mm -hmm. obviously mm -hmm. critical to everybody in this field. But I, as I look on social media and the different podcasts that I follow, I just kept seeing all of this that was focusing on women. I'm like, we really just don't have very much that does that. And then just in the conversations I've had with you and some of my other speakers over the years, I was like, I know they've got stuff on this. And so it finally, the stars just finally aligned. I said, you know what, it, now's the time where we're we're going to make it happen. So the this is the first time that Pessy has ever done anything like this, but I am super, super excited for what um, will be brought to the table with all of these speakers. Dude, just, yes. For those wondering, uh, Celeste said it, but let me give you some specifics because I do know a bunch of the speakers and you folks listening to this probably know some of them too. So we got uh, our homie over at Gate Happens, Dr. Court Connolly coming in likely talking about the feet in some way, shape, or form. Uh, we got Julia Mitchell up from Canada, or down from Canada. Jan Dieter, she's another fellow uh, rock tape instructor, as is Julia and, and Courtney. Uh, Jess Hill, Dr. Jess Hill uh, from New York. Actually, I believe she's now in Vermont. It's cold She might there. be in Vermont yeah. now. She's living her best skiing, cold-ass life, uh, but... I love the way her brain works. Just, I'm actually really, really stoked about that. We got Dr. Amy Bailey from Nashville. Uh, we got Liz Frey, also from Canada. And we have someone, a uh, fellow NYU grad, Minnie, Dr. Minnie Jan, which I'm actually really, 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 uh, I was honored to be able to reach out to her and be like, yo, check this out. Uh, it's cool to to speak with people that are outside of what you typically do. Like I, I'm very heavy in the ortho field. 
you know, the women's health kind of field and, and mini is outside of that. And I was like, this is going to be awesome. So like Celestia said, you have basically 11 billion different uh, sessions that you can choose from. It's choose your own adventure, which I really respect because sometimes you go to these conferences and you're like, I don't even want to hear this, but I'm stuck in this thing. So you get to go and do the things that you want to be doing and then have access to it afterwards. Uh, and it's the first of its kind, which to me, I'm always like, if I can get on the ground floor or something, yes, sign me up, sign me up twice. So again, all that stuff will be uh, in the show notes. You can check that out there. May 20th through, uh, what's the last day of that? It's just the 20th and the 21st. So it's awesome. a two day event. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. So you can check all of that out. Put it in the show notes. Um, the link, we do have a, a general link is pezzyrehab.com forward slash WHS. Uh, but click the, show, click the show notes, much easier to take you right to it. So is there anything else that you want to say about that before I ask you the next question? I think one of the interesting pieces of Pessy to point out, you just mentioned like career change and what are you good at? And a lot of, you know, I switched jobs. I didn't know what I was going to be good at when I came to Pessy. (laughs) So it's, you know, very different than what I had done before. One of the hardest pieces in this field is it, it won't take you a lot to figure out that it took a significant amount of time and resources to create this event. And one of the things that is so hard is obviously, you know, I, I built it because I, I, I think it, it's going to, you know, really resonate with our, our customers, but I won't know that for a while. So you, yeah. you build this huge thing and then you have to sit back and wait to find out if anybody else likes it. <laughs> so totally. that is one of the hard parts about this job. <laughs> totally, totally, totally. Celeste, you decided to build this thing like in the middle of the pandemic, you were like, you know what, we're doing it. Can you talk me through what Pezzi had to do when Rona hit and then just your mindset with this? Like, yeah, okay, we're going to do this huge thing that we've never done before. That's fine. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, in March of 2020, we all showed up to work on a Friday thinking that you know, it was going to be up to our speakers. If they were comfortable traveling, we would still send them to wherever it was we had booked them for. And a few hours into that day, you like the rest of the world was when we realized, you know, what yeah. is happening. And so um, in just the next seven business days, PESI had over a hundred individual events that needed to be canceled. What? Ju- just in the first week of our what? COVID cancellations. <laughs> and so for... I don't know, eight weeks, my job title became event canceller. And so we tried to see, you know, what recordings can we have that are, you know, from the speaker on this content to to still give to the customers who were looking for the CEUs. And so it, it, it flipped us on our heads for a long time. And then since then, like a lot of companies, we have been adjusting. And so um, everything we have done for the past year has been virtual only. There has not been a hotel event since the middle of March last year. And so um, virtual only is new. We had done a tiny bit of it before, but not very much. And I think the hardest part was that just our systems just weren't set up for it. So there's mm-hmm. been some growing pains along the way now that you know, all of our business is only through the virtual channel. So mm-hmm. we um, are learning and adapting, but, you know, like, like every company this year, I doubt anybody has gone unscathed, you know, with COVID, yeah. everybody had to learn something new. Um, it, it's taken us a little bit to get where we are. So um, we've done a handful of virtual summits like this. And so um, 
I figured I would see where women's health gets us. <laughs> I love it. Like, why not? I love it. I mean, honestly, everybody's on online now and and right you know i think people started to realize the value of it anyone that was a little bit averse to it it's yeah. not like oh i see like these things can it's not the same no one's trying to it's make it the, the same, same. right but it doesn't mean that because it's not the same it's worse or inferior or bad it's just like it's just different it, uh, and there's also many positives very, very different yeah no. you don't have to travel to get exactly to your events now so that's like yeah. that's a really really big you know a, in my opinion really big a big difference, especially just for in terms of accessibility and, you know, I, you know, in, in partnering. So you folks know, I, I stepped back from rock tape. Just, it was a great run five years. And one of the things that, that I'm so grateful for is that I got to go to basically every state and really some of these really, really small towns. And, uh, that was an opportunity that was afforded by the partnership we had with Pezzi, which started out as like cross country and then was something else. And then it ended up as, as, as Pezzi. But because I got to go to these small towns, I started to see like there are, without this company, some of these places wouldn't have access to this information in this capacity. So one, I'm, you know, I'm grateful on that. And, and then Rona comes and Pezzi was already doing digital stuff. Rock Tape's already doing digital stuff. But now everyone starts, you know, gets pushed onto there. And suddenly you just really start to value this, this digital component. I was very averse to it at first. Allison actually had to really, you know, you folks know Allison, she's my self-appointed mentor. Uh, she had to really push me with the, 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 the virtual side of like our blades course. I was just like, you want me to teach this online? Like, what? Like, they need to be in person so I can, like, make sure they're not killing anyone. And she was like, you know what? If they want to go back and be super aggressive and use the tools wrong, they can do that anyway. So right. let's make sure that people have access to quality information and they can still learn it this way. And I was like, I don't know about this. Uh, but I went and recorded some stuff uh, at the, the the headquarters. I mean, also, any trip, any excuse for a trip to Nashville. I was like, all right, cool. Uh, but I think that with Rona coming and, and pushing everyone into the online space, it would actually be super, super valuable and really increase the accessibility. So I'm stoked about that. Uh, I'm 0% surprised that you pivoted with such ease, at least outward facing ease. I was like, and Celeste has everything covered. All right, cool. Well, and, and to be fair and give everybody else a pat on the back, like, I'm not the one that's having to present virtually. Mm. I mean, shout out to all the people out there who are, you know, whether it's my speakers or other people who had to shift their own business to be virtual only. You're, you're right. You know, it's, it's nice because you don't have to go anywhere. But if I were one of the pesky speakers, like having to present to your own computer for however many hours your session is, yes, very that good. is, that is not an easy gig. And so, um, yeah, um, I cannot thank all of our speakers enough for being willing to do it. Is it? Yeah. It's you are hard. right. <laughs> you are right. It's one of the reasons when Rock Tape asked, they're like, do you want to do this? And I was like, no. Yeah. Uh, it's tough, especially when you have the longer courses and it's a full day. It's, it is by no means easy. So, so let's say I'm, I'm actually uh, really grateful that you shout, shouted those folks out because that is, you're right, straight up. It's, not, it's no easy task. I want to do a double circle back or circle back even a little farther to what you slipped in there before. And being a high-risk pregnancy, if I even, you know, if I was to read your bio specifically, you mom to a 28-week 
uh, preemie, 28-weeker preemie, who's like the cutest little dude ever. I don't want to be all prying in your business, but can you share a little bit or whatever you want with yeah. us about that journey? Yeah, I've been really open the whole time. So uh, in 2016, I got pregnant for the first time and it's a a long journey to get there. We actually thought that wouldn't happen. So we had started the adoption process and finished the home study. So the day that we were officially done with the six months of paperwork and approved for you know, trying to adopt was the day I found out I was pregnant for the first time. And so with, with that one, everything was fine until all of a sudden it wasn't. And I lost my daughter at 21 weeks. And what we've learned is that uh, once I get pregnant, my body is not good at staying pregnant. I am basically just not strong enough to keep the baby in. And so um, when I got pregnant with Elliot, they did a procedure to help keep him in longer. So I made it till 27 or sorry, 28 weeks, which is seven weeks longer than my first, but, um, obviously yeah. nobody's goal is yeah. to make it to only 28. So, weeks, absolutely. Yeah. So while I was pregnant with him, um, around the 13 week mark was when I had that procedure done. And so from there on out, I was allowed to do one mile was what I was allowed to do for exercise. And it had to be a leisurely stroll. So I was never put on uh, strict bed rest, but okay, uh, they okay. called, they called it modified bed rest. So I still okay. went to work, but at work, I'm basically a desk job. Mm-hmm. And then, um, as the pregnancy progressed, my, by about the 20, I don't know, 20 or 24 week mark, my measurements were kind of starting to dwindle. And so um, I think one of the neatest things for me is that I, I took pregnancy pictures on a Wednesday and then Elliot was born on Saturday. Wow. <laughs> so I will forever be thankful that my friend was able to come and take pictures wow. like that for us. <laughs> so he uh, obviously the, the birth was chaotic. I, I live the town I'm in is only like 65,000. And so they actually don't have the capacity to take babies before 34 weeks. And so um, when I started having issues, we went to the ER and they helicoptered me over to Minneapolis. And so um, thankfully that's where Elliot was born because that's where he needed to be, where the specialty care is for those littles. Mm -hmm. And he stayed over there for about two months before he came home. And ever since then, he has just been an incredible little munchkin. So yeah. yeah. Dude, he's, he's doing wonderful. He's like the most adorable little kid. What did you do, Celeste, in terms of, and I think this is something that will resonate, it actually just came up in one of the, the online groups that I run. How was, you know, maternity leave and having a kid and like you do a lot of stuff. You're very involved in your career. What did that look like? Yeah. So um, I was a C-section because when things started failing, he was also facing the wrong way. So um, I stayed off work for two weeks and then went back. So I, it is my choice. Yeah. Well, Pessy did not make me. Let me make that very, very clear. This was by choice. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I, um, I stayed off work for about two weeks. And uh, thankfully for us, the the worst of his chaos at the hospital was in those first two weeks. So okay. he had a, a, a lot of significant issues, but by the two week mark, he was more stable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I chose to go back to work so that I could save my time off for when he came home, because oh. it, it's, it's different if he, you know, if he would have been born 
at 36 weeks and mm -hmm. just needed a mm -hmm. little bit of hospital time, but we knew he was going to be there for a long time. And so um, I, I wanted to have my time off for when he came home and we'd actually be able to do stuff with him. And um, I, I also had the benefit of my mom is a NICU nurse. And so oh. growing up, I, I had no doubt how much she loved every single one of her NICU babies. And yeah. so I, I also always knew that my kid was being loved on by his nurses, you know, when, when he was still stuck there. So I went back to work after two weeks and then, um, so he was born August 3rd and he came home on October 3rd. So when he came home, I, um, took back off then to actually do like a, I guess you'd call it a real <laughs> maternity mm -hmm, leave. Yes. So yeah, we, we drove back and forth a lot, put a ton of miles in the car because I live an hour and a half drive away from the hospital he was in. Yeah. So it was, it was rough, but he, he was on the spot he needed to be. And yeah. I think that has shown with how well he's doing now. Wow. And how has it been having a kid and doing all, like you do so much stuff, Celeste. How, <laughs> how well, has I don't that know. been? I, I feel like you, you just adapt, you know, and yeah. honestly, there, there's a lot that, I would say it hasn't been as bad as I thought. I think you hear so much bad stuff about mm -hmm. how hard parenting, and I don't know about real parenting yet, because he's still too little to actually, you know, argue with us. But as far as like the, the first time mom stuff, none of that was as bad as I thought, you know, was ah. the sleep good in the beginning? No, but it gets better. Um, and I don't know, I feel, I feel like in a lot of situations that my my brain thought it was going to be worse than it has been. Interesting. Yeah. You, you adapt, you know, I, I think COVID has been the worst part, not having the kid, you know, like mm -hmm. I, I would love to go play volleyball, but the world has been shut down. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I yes. haven't. So it's been the stuff like that, that I think has impacted me more than having a kid. Wow. Just, wow. This is, I'm always fascinated to hear because it's so outside of my anything, everything realm of anything. Uh, so yeah. And I was interested, you know, I knew you were coming on and I was like, let me ask her what, what her experience was like. Uh, cause like I said, I had someone in my, in my mafia group just be like, Hey, what are, what are people's experiences been? And did you want to go back to work? Uh, cause I've heard the opposite also where yeah. people were like, this is it. Um, and I've seen it a, a bit, I don't say more, but you know, I've seen it where people had their own business and they were like, actually, I, I don't want all of this. I'd rather be doing this other thing. So yeah, I, I would say that's a, another one where a lot of people tell you, oh, well, it's different once you have a kid. And I think for me, I've never envisioned myself as a stay-at-home mom. Mm -hmm. And I still feel the same even after having him. And gotcha. <laughs> yeah. it doesn't make me sound like a bad mom. I love my oh. kid, but it, um, I just, I didn't see that in my future before. And now that I'm here and, and living it, I'm happy with the balance that I have. It's, um, I don't know, it's a good, good fit. I love for that for me. I love that. That's just like the ownership of, of that. And you saying, you're speaking your truth. This is what, how yeah. it is like, yes, I love, it. I know it's going to resonate with people because everyone has different experiences. And I think it's super important to be valuable to have you know, different experiences and opinions, uh, and, and truths expressed. So that is, dude, that's so, it's so, so dope to me. I'm keeping mm -hmm. an eye on time. Uh, my goal was really to one, introduce you or interest the people to you. Uh, and number two, talk about this dope uh, conference that's coming up. And we've covered both of those things. Is there anything else that you want to chat about uh, before I ask you the the final questions? Uh, 
tell me more about your volleyball. How often do you get to play? Let me Dude. be jealous for a minute because I haven't I'm, touched a ball in over a year. <laughs> I am loving this. I play usually about four-ish times a week. I, I find like I can't play five. I can't play four days in a row. Yeah. Like the fourth day, I'm just lazy. My legs are lazy. And then I just make bad decisions because I'm like, I'll just stretch my arms a little farther and then I'll just shank it. So the fourth day is sketchy. Uh, but yeah. I usually play Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and then sometimes Sunday. It really depends if we can get a squad together. But it's like making me a, a I'm going to use this term loosely, a quote unquote morning person, just because the wind isn't kicked up so much. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, that makes a huge difference. <laughs> so we play, you know, try to get there around 8 or 8.30. And that's like way better than you're like, oh, we'll go at noon because then the wind is picked up. And it's this, you worry about courts on the weekend, whereas, uh, you know, you go early, no problem. It's also so, just so cool to live here, Celestia. Like, this is like beach volleyball central. And like, there's a billion courts and people are playing all the time of all different ages. Like, it's just amazing to see. You'll see people that are definitely, definitely like 65 plus. Not that that's that old, but they're 65, you know, years old and up. And they're playing and they're out there every Sunday and every Saturday having games and they bring all their chairs and it's like, you know, they're playing four and five aside. And I'm like, this is such a good life. I love this. So it's my favorite thing now. Just obsessed. Love I'm waiting it. for you to come join. Like, yeah. <laughs> anytime you're ready. I needed someone tall to play with, so <laughs> open invitation. <laughs> open invitation. It's just, it really is so, so, so good. Ah, so good. Did you switch to, to beach? Yeah. It, in college, I, I only played indoor, and it's interesting to see the difference in the pace. So yeah, oh my in, God. in my indoor days, I was a middle blocker, so I only ever took three steps in <laughs> any direction. And if I ever passed a ball, that meant I was in the wrong spot and should not have been there. <laughs> so uh, switching to, I played a ton of sand doubles when I was done with college. And so you obviously have to be good at everything to be able to, to run with only two people on the court. So I became a whole different level of player, I guess you could say. Look at Celeste, pivoting and changing and adapting, of course. It's so different. I I only watch indoor. I've never played it. I'm not really honestly very interested. The ground is hard, and I don't do well with that. I'm old now. Uh, but the pace, it's so fast inside. It's such a power game. Like, hitting it so hard. People are so Watch crazy. the medals. They, they basically Jeez. have to jump with every set, even if they don't get it, as part of the, <laughs> the fake-out routine. Yeah, so it, like this you have to be so in much. the air like as the setter is touching the ball already so it's fast so, <laughs> so much and so so fast ah i love it i love talking about this this was a big thing folks this you know i didn't know i was gonna that i had this passion for volleyball uh but when celeste came in and introduced herself at the rock tape instructor summit there is this that kinship of being like this person was an athlete this person is an athlete this person gets it on this different this different level, this different capacity. So when I encourage you folks listening, more you, that's what it means. Bring all of you to the table because we attract what we are, right? Not what we want. And just sharing your story, showing up authentically, you know, how you, how you want to show up, it makes a huge, huge difference. And Celestia has shown us, it also, you have so, so many skills that you can draw from from the life that you lived thus far. You don't have to try to be anything else. Yes, learn all the things. Celeste literally is learning all the things. But showing up and bringing all of that experience with you, showing up authentically, unapologetically, with more you. I freaking 
Love it. Is Celeste, actually, before I give you the final question, if if folks want to, we should we shared the link for um we shared the link for uh Pezzi. But if folks wanted to reach out, um, I don't know if do you even accept like people pitching, like, hey, I have this course idea, I'd love to to email you about it. Is that a thing? It is a thing. Oh so, amazing. Yeah, we can just plop my email address into the into the text or however you put that if that works. <laughs> <laughs> the files are in the computer. We will put yeah. it into the show notes for sure. Uh, but do you want to just say it so that people have it in their mind? Sure, yeah. So it's C as in cat and then R-O-U, F as in Frank, S as in Sam at Pessy.com. And we are P-E-S-I. Amazing. C-roofs at Pessy.com. We will drop that in the show notes. Uh, you folks, listen, you know I did the teaching thing for years. I love the teaching thing. It gave me wings. It's In my opinion, it's just the best, man. Like the lives that you can impact, the people you can meet, just the way that you learn about yourself and the things that you're interested in. It's, it's phenomenal. I, I absolutely, absolutely love it. Uh, so if something just interests you, uh, you've got that email right there. All right. Final question coming your way, Celeste. You ready? Ready. Is there anything else that you'd like to leave the people with? Words of wisdom, anything. Ooh, that is a good question. Um, I am going to cheat and Google it just so I say it right. I think Go I'm going to say one of my favorite quotes. Who, um, this is from a Holocaust survivor. His name is Viktor Frankl. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I used to have, back when I had an office because we worked, you know, in offices and stuff. Um, <laughs> this is on my wall. <laughs> Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. And I think for me, that's just always been one where you are in control of what happens yes. to you and how you handle everything is, it's ultimately up to you. And you know, some days are always going to be harder than others, but um, that quote has just always resonated with me. So I take that into the universe. I love it. I'm my audience. They already know that I'm all about that and, and radical responsibility there. You got the choice. I love that. I love it. I love it. That's a super powerful message to leave us with. Celeste, thank you. I know you are literally busy doing all the things and like having a billion spreadsheets. And I, I'm, I'm really grateful you took the time to join us and, and share your story and also to create this summit. Like that's a really big deal. Uh, I'm stoked and honored to be a part of that. So thank you for all of, and all the things you did when I was still working on rock tape. Thank you for all the things, <laughs> Celeste. Super, super grateful. Thank you for having me, Shante. My pleasure. You folks listening, thank you. We know you could have been doing anything and you chose to listen to us. And for that, I am as always, endlessly, endlessly grateful. I'm not going to ask for any likes or subscriptions, though if you want to do that, wouldn't be mad at you. If this episode resonated with you, if you're picking up what we are putting down, I got two asks, two specific asks. Number one, share it with somebody who you think it would help. Share it with somebody who you think would be interested in that summit. And then the second thing is head on over to that link that's in the show notes and sign up for the summit. 
I'm stoked about it, and I would love to see you there. All right, officially wrapping it up. Until next time, friends, Celeste and Maestro, 